Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This episode is brought to you by One United Bank, America's largest black-owned bank and first black internet. As you get ready to do your gift shopping this holiday season, we want to encourage you to consider ways to buy black and support your community. One United believes that money is power and we can use it to build wealth in the black community, not only for today, but for the future as well. This is more than a moment. It's a movement. With the right mindset and actions, we can be financially woke. When we unite the power of our dollars, there's no limit to what we can do. Move your money and bank black with One United Bank today. Visit OneUnited.com to learn more. Hey, 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 guys. It's Courtney. Joy Marie. Happy holidays. Happy holidays from Job Loss. Mm-hmm. We are back. Your group chat girlfriends, career confidants, with new episodes on the 1st and the 15th. But wait, wait, hold up. <laughs> We're going to take a break for the holidays. Um, so there will be no new episode on January 1st. So we'll see you on January 15th. Yes, coming up, the rent is too damn high, but is home ownership worth it for a generation? We're going to be diving into all that and more. Yeah, we have an amazing woman who works for Massachusetts Affordable Housing Alliance, and she's going to share her journey to home ownership and some tips to help us get there as well. Yep, so stay tuned. But as you guys know, we like to start every episode with a clock in. Check and see how we're doing personally and professionally. Definitely recommend doing it with your circle as well. Mm -hmm. Courtney, how are you? I am in finals. Yes. I'm doing that. (laughs) Okay. Point blank period, the (laughs) end. Point blank period. We're done. Let's go home. But I'm super (laughs) excited because after this, I have one more semester. Yay. And I, like, I cannot fathom believe it. That is almost done. Girl, it's you just, did that. I cannot. You I'm did so excited. <laughs> so doing that, prepping for graduation and also just prepping for 2018. Mm-hmm. You know, 2017 wasn't that bad for me. Hmm. I mean, it was bad for the earth. Mm. But like for me personally, I had some highlights, you know. Okay. New job, new place. New yes, day. yes. So um, I feel good. And I yeah. feel good about going to 2018. So as we move into 2018, I want to ask you, tell us one thing you want to either leave behind or take with you into Mm. the new year. Either or. Yeah, I mean, I feel like 2017 has been super introspective and reflective for me. I don't know. I just I kind of want to leave behind just overthinking everything. Mm. I just think too much. Like, <laughs> oh my God, same I was going to say like anxiety or at least not yeah. taking my anxiety seriously, like knowing what it is when it's happening. Yeah, That's what I, I just, do. you know, it's just like a waste of time. I um, I live on my own now too so I just spent a lot of time thinking yeah I want to do less of that I just want to just be do you know um so I could I could leave that I like the trajectory everything's going um I think everything I'm experiencing is necessary and growing me as a woman so yeah we'll keep doing that I mean I you know bigger better with everything with work with personal with health with my relationships and interactions with others and uh and uh, I think my spirituality, too. Mm. What about you? Um, I think 
same things. We are one. I yes. want to <laughs> leave behind, like I said, the anxiety and bringing, I just want a spirit of positivity. Mm-hmm. Like I really want to cultivate and nurture the spirit of positivity. Yeah. And then, like you said, embracing the now. Because, like, people ask me, like, oh, so what, do you have plans for when you graduate now? Yeah. No. I'm, like, not stressing myself to think. Like, I'm literally going to stop doing things. Yeah. And just chill and see what life brings. Yeah. And I'm excited about that. I mean, we're doing so good, and we make such yeah. great decisions. Like, you have to have yeah, faith in that. Honestly. It's truly. like, this, this life ain't easy. We do a lot. So... You have to have faith that those things are going to culminate um, in the right direction and things will fall in place. I believe. So, the state of the world. Yes. It's a nice, it's it's your end, which I feel like is always a really good time to reflect yeah, on. Yeah, reset. Yeah, what's going on. So, uh, we're not going to dwell on the negativity. I want to no. know some things that you're excited about for 2018 or like movers and shakers that you want to watch. For me... Um, the editor of Teen Vogue, Elaine, what's her last name? Walter Roth. Oh, yes. she is me joy. Love and her. I just want to continue to watch her. And they recently announced that Teen Vogue is shuttering its print version. So yes. I wanted to see, like, how does she, is she going to navigate, like, this all-digital space? Yeah. I'm intrigued by her. Yeah, I really like her just culmination of thought leadership, just, like, social engagement. Mm. Like, her personality just right. oozes all out of her Snapchat, Instagram stories. Yeah. But it's connected to the brand and the yes. activism and everything. Yeah. And they just had... Um, I think their first Teen Vogue Summit as that. well. So, yeah, really exciting. I can't wait to see what, what she's cooking up next. Yeah, and I'm also intrigued by, I feel like women-led startups are getting a lot more play. Mm-hmm. And looking at, like, Glossier and Rent the Runway. Yeah. I even saw this new tech startup. It's called Natural Cycles. Mm. It's from Europe, and basically it's as a solution. to Because, you know, there's all this st- crackdowns with birth control and insurance mm. and things like that. It's like an a app that uses your temperature to, like, have you naturally monitor your cycle for whether it's oh, birth wow. control or pregnancy or whatever they just got like millions of dollars in investing oh really um, led by women so that's amazing i just want to see like how do they do it differently than the men who have gotten so much shine yeah uh, when that tech bubbles first started growing yeah and that's exciting too because i know typically access to capital is more limited for women um, founders than it is for men. I know the Wing also recently got a huge oh, round, I think doing thirty-three million things. from what? WeWork. Mm-hmm, massive. Right. So I'm excited too. Do you think all of that is kind of I'm mean, a trickle down effect? I guess it. Do we want to say it started with like Sheryl Sandberg and Lean In and? I don't want to give her too much. <laughs> <laughs> I know I don't live for her, but she started. She she had a big hand in the wave. Yeah, she was the first to bring a lot of visibility to it. I don't know what the reason is, but maybe mm-hmm. it's also like once that crazy growth slows, then people start really thinking about like um, niche and yeah. audiences yeah. and people who can really speak to their consumer. And I yeah. kind of think that's part of it too. Yeah. I'm very excited. So I don't have um, particular, or I do have particular people, but I was thinking a little bit more about uh, business trends that Mm. 
I'm looking forward to, um, and I'm in the marketing space, in the B2B marketing space, but I think there are some shifts that are really going to impact the workforce and job opportunities mm. moving forward. So I think, you know, and we, we've all observed this, I think like you're seeing a lot more corporations shift their marketing messaging to become more human, more down to earth, like even B2B orgs, business to business, are thinking about models that feel like business to consumer, direct to consumer. Oh, um, and so speaking to audiences in friendly terms, like if you think about, you know, when you have a retail shopping experience, the signs in the store don't say, you know, this, uh, you know, this way to aisle five for your whatever anymore. They say like, hey, like, you know, go to aisle five to check out cool stuff you Sometimes might like. Sometimes y'all do too much, though. Yeah. <laughs> I know. My coworker just showed me an email she got from Capital One. Yeah. And it was like, hey, didn't think your credit card could email, did you? Long time. Like, it was too much. It was I know. People, people are trying it. People are trying it. But that's actually a good segue to the other thing I'm excited about, which is just more integration of, like, influencers mm. word of mouth marketing because i think when you I mean, when, obviously when big corporations try to be trendy it yeah. can feel a little stale but a lot of agencies a lot of corporations are using more influencers they're using more of the down-to-earth person to um get their messages across so i'm excited about that because i think it'll just present some really interesting job opportunities yeah. some new divisions um new ways of communicating like People are reaching out to Instagram influencers and paying them thousands of dollars for yeah. this stuff. So it's kind of exciting. Um, and then the second big thing I'm looking forward to is just kind of an increase in original content. Hmm. So a lot of large corporations are developing um, original content studios. Apple, you know, is slated to invest a billion dollars in original content, I think, to be a competitor to Netflix. But the same is happening from brands like Google, Verizon, yeah. Amazon. So, you know, I think just like keep an eye on it. I think it'll, you know, not only present jobs and on demand content for us as mm -hmm. consumers, but I think it'll just completely shift the way um content is created and just the way we consume it oh, in general. Oh, for sure. And kind of looking at it from unexpected sources. I was we were mm -hmm. talking about this in my, one of my media classes, how the disruptors, it may not come from media companies because mm -hmm. even like consumer brands are yeah. thinking about themselves as content companies and yep. creating um, different, whether it's podcasts or video or whatever. So the disruption is kind of coming from all angles. So yeah. It's going to be really interesting. And to that point, there's an increase in acquisition of existing content, too. Like, people are buying out people's YouTube series mm -hmm. and podcasts, you know, fingers crossed. But, <laughs> like, yeah, you never Real know. Talk. Your your little project might get picked up. So it's exciting times. Exciting. Now it's time for Rants, Raves, and Reviews. This is the segment of the show where we highlight products, services, tools, or experiences that we're currently loving mm -hmm. or not liking so much in our professional, personal lives. Courtney, you're up. Yes, I'm up. I'm ranting. I haven't had a good rant in a while. Okay. At least on air. Joy gets my <laughs> rants <laughs> much more frequently. What's up? What's going on? Um, so this has been on my heart since Thanksgiving, mm -hmm. since the return from Thanksgiving break. And I just noticed that 
like as soon as I woke up, my boyfriend was saying like, "Oh, countdown to Christmas," and I'm like, "Okay, <laughs> you just started this job. You seem to like it. Yeah. So why is it? okay? Whatever, fine. Right. And then I go to work and I wait for the elevator, and the girls fall file in, and it's just like, oh, and we're back, and like, mm. and it's like, why, yeah. like. Why do we do this? Yeah. Why do we choose like this begrudging attitude to like bond with each other over work? And yeah. I get that like, you know, sarcasm and snark and all of that is cute. Yeah. And it's like camaraderie to like say mm-hmm. how hard it is to go to work every day and sometimes it is hard to go to work mm-hmm. every day. But children, we just came from a long weekend. We yes. were fresh, we're moisturized. Yeah. Let's embrace this energy like while we have it. Like yeah. when I'm dragging in the middle of March, I will be more open. Right. To it. <laughs> right. I know. I feel like that's something that's really prevalent even on Mondays. Like yes. start of the week, we have Monday blues. Um, and I think that's kind of a self-fulfilling prophecy. Like I think if you adopt that mentality, one for yourself and your thoughts, that's how you're gonna feel. But then if you share it with others and commiserate, it just like manifests it in a very real way. Right, so my issue is like, first of all, to your point, you're setting the tone. So it's like you're not even giving yourself a chance to like have a great day and enjoy it. And then like, then you have to be on guard against all these other people's energy like pulling you down. Yeah, yeah. And it's like your energy matters so much. Yeah. And I'm trying to check myself more and more about when I start something, going into it, like being optimistic and being positive about it because I think that impacts like how the work that you do. I absolutely And how it feels to do that work. Yeah, I feel like... um, Thanksgiving, you're like reading my soul right now because around Thanksgiving, I was just thinking a lot about gratitude. And I know, you know, it comes up every year we talk about gratitude, but I'm really redefining gratitude, not just as like being happy about the big things, family, friends, money, a job, but just practicing it more on an everyday basis Mm. by not complaining specifically, because I think it's really easy to fall into the trap of being, oh, I got to go back to work. It's Monday. But shifting that like really in your mind because this is for you to say you know what if I'm making more than $25,000 I'm in the top 15% of earners in the world you know or something like that so like really just shifting it to I don't know just like attract more positivity and I've noticed in doing that or trying to do it more consciously I feel better Mm -hmm. the world is like going to bring the negativity anyway mm-hmm. so let's just like try and start 2018 like you're going it's christmas you're yeah. refreshed start a positive come back campaign. like yeah it's mm-hmm. good to see yes. you today <laughs> how you doing <laughs> you look good <laughs> all right ladies and gents we have a great discussion coming up for you today connected yes. by way of our one united bank family Fadeen mm-hmm. brown is joining us today she serves as a vice president of the board for massachusetts affordable housing alliance where she's been an active volunteer since 2008 which is the same year she brought her first home so she's a perfect person to talk to today mm-hmm. she's also president and founder of cluttermanager.com a professional organizing consultant business that coaches and 
empowers individuals to control their unorganized space and lifestyle. That's another conversation. She needs yes. To <laughs> but welcome, Fading. We're so excited to have you. I'm excited to have this conversation with you ladies today. Okay. So, Fading, I feel like home ownership is one of those daunting. topics. Yeah, that's like incredibly intimidating. It can be for many of us. It also is something that I think for our generation has sort of sometimes felt like it's maybe something for our parents or for people who are really serious or, you know, kind of have their whole life and finance together. But uh, you feel differently. Why do you um, think that home ownership is, is important for our generation? So I believe home ownership is important for this generation because it helps us build wealth. And minority minorities do not have enough assets to better their opportunities for their future generation. And that is a problem. Mm. And so I believe that we need to start building wealth. And one of the fastest ways to build wealth is through home ownership. Mm. And so that's why I believe it's important for people to start doing that, to start building that asset, because it's the best way that you can leave money for your kids and for your family. And you can just... and generations of um, non of Caucasian families have been doing this for years. Yeah, this, this is something is the minority communities ha- has been lacking in. So I wonder how do you keep like this purchase of a home like serve to build wealth as opposed to like becoming like your biggest expense? Like mm. I would imagine it's doing the research up front. Right. So I encourage so becoming a first time home buyer there's several things that you can do to start out. The first thing I suggest is taking a first time home buyer's class, which is something that I did. And what that did for me is to, it prepared me for the process of what home home ownership really looks like. Hmm. You start to have that conversation with yourself to say, what do what do I want for myself? Where do I want to live? Do you want to live in a city, in a suburban neighborhood? Where do you see yourself in the future? So it's an internal conversation that you start to to begin to have with yourself. But first, you need to reach out and take a first home first home buyer's class and do the research to make that next step into going into that. Yeah, I feel like that's a common theme in the whole financial literacy series mm-hmm. we've had with One United is just like a lot of these things can be intimidating because we don't have the knowledge or yeah. perceive that we have the access. But once you kind of put yourself in that environment and start to hear from other people who look like you that they've done it and how they did it. It kind of makes it more um, accessible yeah. and less intimidating. For sure. And I know I've talked to friends who have, like, they've finally reached a point in their career where they can start thinking about home ownership. But there's, like, a myriad of reasons of why they just don't want to take it on. Like some will say like, oh, I'm not ready to put down roots yet. I don't know mm. where life is going to take me. Oh, I want to do like a business venture instead of this. I don't know if I want to put money into a home. What inspired you to kind of take that leap? Um, so for me, I became a single mom at the age of 22. Mm. And that was for me a wake up call. I wanted to decide where do I see my future and where do I see the future for my daughter? And um, I did some soul searching. I decided I was living on my own with my daughter and I decided, you know what? I want to go back to grad school. I Mm. want to advance my career. So I'm going to take a step back and move in with my parents and save for two years. And that was my plan. So at 27, I moved back home with my parents and my goal was 
by 29 to be able to buy a to buy a home. So that was my plan. That's what I did. I went back to school. I, it was very hard, um, you know, after living on your own. You see your friends traveling and doing great things, and mm-hmm. you have to cut back and step back. And for me, it was taking those t- those steps backwards so I can move 10 steps ahead. Mm. And it was the best decision that I made. Hard, yes, but um, but it was a big reward in the end. And so I think my advice to a lot of individuals is where where do you see yourself and why is it important to you? And for me, it was, it was being a single mom and wanting a better future for my daughter and building wealth for my daughter. And I knew in order to do that, home ownership was that step that I needed to take. Yeah, and I think one thing that... Um... I realized in going to a couple first-time homebuyer seminars and just sort of starting to do the online research, and even I spoke to my uh, my credit union, I think one thing I saw that was really surprising to me is sometimes a mortgage payment can be similar to what you're paying in rent or not that far off. Of course, you might need to save a little bit more upfront, but there are definitely options and opportunities Um, in whatever your range might be. A lot of times you just have to kind of do the digging. Um, And so can you speak a little bit to just maybe some resources to help demystify the process or some things that make homeownership a little bit more accessible than we might have previously anticipated? Yeah. So uh, for me, the resources that I used to help me in my home ownership process um, was through the city of Boston. They had first time home buyer classes. And through these classes, taking these classes, you were able to get a certification. And after t- getting the certification, um, they would assist you with down payment co- assistant costs. Oh, wow. And yeah, so for me, I only had to put down 3%. Um, I went through, I did the soft second program, which is a very affordable mortgage program in the state of Massachusetts now called the one mortgage program. Mm. And I was able to get an affordable mortgage with, and I only had to put 3% down and the city helped with my closing cost. Um, And also after buying my home, I also, there was also a post-purchase class that I took through MAHA, Massachusetts Affordable Housing Alliance, which helped me with with becoming a homeowner, what to look for now that I have moved into my home. Mm. Um, The other resources that I used also through research before becoming a homeowner was, you know, websites like Mm HUD.com, Bankrate.com, Mint.com, just to kind of get, read articles and resources about home ownership. So the more I educated myself about the process, the more I became familiar with the terminology and what to expect yeah. um, through the process. Yeah, I love that because I think a lot of us are um, strapped regardless of how much mm-hmm. we're making where it's like you can't even fathom home ownership as a possibility, but to hear that there are opportunities and options that, you know, as low as 3% down, that's really encouraging. Yeah, it's amazing. Yes, absolutely. And and I think that's, um, for me, that's the work that I try to push when I tell my story. I feel a lot of women, especially women of color, um, feel that this is not possible, especially minorities. And that mm-hmm. with Massachusetts Affordable Housing Alliance at Maha, that's what we try to do. Our goal is to help minorities throughout the state of Massachusetts become first-time home homeowners because there's a big gap 
in home ownership. 69% of Caucasians own compared to 31% in the Mm. state of Massachusetts. And I believe nationwide, the rates are pretty much the same. And that's a problem. And in the city of Boston in the 80s, we did have a redlining issues where banks were not lending to minorities. And that's where Maha stepped in to try to change that problem. And we have helped currently today over 19,000 families become first-time home buyers. That's amazing. Yeah. And majority of them are families of color. That is yeah. fantastic. And would you say that most states have like these type of affordable housing resources or organizations? Yes, I would say I, I can't speak for all states, but mm-hmm. I'm assuming that a majority of them do have these programs. And sometimes they're hidden gems. Mm-hmm. And I tell individuals check with your local um, city hall your state offices to find out about the nonprofits that they work with if Mm. they have an affordable housing class find out what organizations may be teaching that class do they have a local neighborhood development division or department Mm -hmm. check in with that division and department and see what organizations are helping them because most likely those nonprofit organizations can give you the resources that you need for becoming a su- successful homeowner and finding out about first time home buyer classes. So I do believe the resources are there. It's just finding them. Yeah. And for me, Maha has been around for 30 years and I've just been volunteering with them for the last nine years. Yeah. So and they've been doing this work for a very long time. You mentioned sort of stepping back for two years to prepare. I want to dive a little deeper into that. What does the preparation look like? Um, Because from what I've heard, there is a lot of discipline um, in terms of savings um, and just sort of like allocating that money towards certain costs. What kind of preparation can we plan for once we've sort of decided to take that leap? Sure. So once you decide to take that leap, I encourage you to one, start saving and improving your credit Mm. because your credit history and savings are two essential things that you need before becoming a homeowner. It's critical to make sure that your debt to income ratio is okay, that you're paying your bills on time, that you have a pattern of paying your bills on time. Check and get a free credit report Mm -hmm. just to make sure everything's in line, whatever does not belong on the credit report, work to get that off. Um, Having all your documents in order, making sure you have all your pay stubs and tax forms, investment accounts, names and addresses of previous landlords, because going through the homeowner process, a lot of documentations are required. Mm-hmm. So start to gather and keep those uh, those um, key documents together because those are critical steps going through the home ownership process because it, we, the paperwork alone and the process of going through it can become very overwhelming. Yeah. So it's best to be organized and very well prepared so you can do that. For me, I gave myself a two-year plan within that two-year plan. I was able to go through the pre-approval process. I took my first time home buyers class, went through the pre-approval process, found me a real estate agent hmm. to help me to start looking for a home. It took me months before I found the home that I like because it's a process. Sometimes yeah. you do see a home that you like, but it may not be for you because there's certain issues after you do the inspection. Yeah. So you got to start all over again. So that's just... Um, just those are key things that you have to start preparing for starting the process of home ownership. Hi. 
Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. And let's shift into more like once you've um, taken those steps to prepare and you're out looking for that home can you share like what you wish you knew um, when you were navigating that process? Sure. So look, I wish I knew that a lot of the homes that I really liked, um, that you're not necessarily going to find the dream home that you're looking for. Mm-hmm. So you may not find that home with that two car garage or dishwasher um, <laughs> right the dishwasher <laughs> or high ceilings or the um great backyard so it's learning that you don't have too much high expectations um because i felt like sometimes i got really disappointed but i also found that when i found my home there were other things that i loved about it mm. that took away from everything that I thought that I needed. So just don't go in with too much high expectations. Yes, you should want a good neighborhood. Yes, you should want a good home that has a good plumbing system, heating system. All those things are important as well. But also um, figure out too, if you do get a foreclosed property, you can also get funds to rebuild that home to the way that you like it. So just be open to, that things are going to change and things are going to shift and everything's not going to go according to plan, but be open to the process. Yeah. What are some um, thoughts around just kind of the community? Cause I know here in New York, gentrification is rampant um, and that's sort of a mixed bag because, you know, you have people who've been in a community for a very long time who are essentially pushed out because they can no longer afford it. Um, And I think that's sort of the natural evolution of any neighborhood. But how can we, I guess, be more socially conscious and community conscious as we are looking at condos, co-ops, homes and moving into other neighborhoods and other spaces? Sure. So it's it's very important to look at the development that's going on in your neighborhood and what affordable housing really means. Because some there and here in Massachusetts, I know there are some units that are going up and the prices are just absolutely ridiculous Mm -hmm. for families um, to live in these luxury condos or um, housing um, communities that they're building. And it's important to show up and find out where these um, meetings are occurring before they start these development process, because a lot of times communities are not showing up and developers come in and they say, well, we didn't have any pushback Mm. on building this building. We had no one say they had an issue. And so we can build it the way we want. And that's a problem um, because oftentimes after it's done, we have community members that are saying, we can't afford to live here. This is just simply not affordable. So Mm -hmm. it's important to get involved with the development process and paying attention to 
what nonprofit organizations are advocating and fighting against mm. certain developments that cause gentrification and working with your city councilors as well because people are not showing up and because people are not showing up our communities are beginning to change and shift dramatically and i know for me being involved with maha that and seeing the work that to do have done has allowed me to step up in my community mm-hmm. um, for instance last year we had a community preservation act um, which was a ballot question we advocated for and we had signatures and we got it on the ballot and what community preservation act does is it's going to generate it's a, a property surcharge um, and 74 percent of boston residents have voted for this to take this property surcharge this money is going to generate 16 million dollars in revenue into the city of boston and the money can only be used for affordable housing preserving our parks and green spaces and preserving historical buildings which is huge mm. because we're, we have a huge problem with affordable housing in, yeah. in the city and in a lot of cities across the United States. So to be able to, and when I say affordable housing, I mean being able to buy a home that is 230, 300,000 because house, housing prices are not that today. Yeah. They're 430,000, yeah. 590,000. And the average working family um, individual cannot afford that. Yeah. Girl, like, 900k <laughs> in New York, one yeah. mil, two. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, exactly. And so, and I think when we see prices like like that, we be, we then be, um, become discouraged. Yeah, How can I exactly. afford that? How can I become a homeowner? Why would I want to own when majority of my income would be going to paying my mortgage? Right. Right. So, um, so I think it's important that we start to find these nonprofits within our communities that are advocating and working towards affordable home ownership because shifting the way um, our home ownership looks is going to shift the way our our communities look. And I love like positioning like local politics and being involved in community as a responsibility mm-hmm. of being a homeowner. I wonder like once you, you know, sign on the dotted line and you're a homeowner, what are the unexpected challenges and responsibilities that come with that? So, yeah, um, (laughs) (laughs) I got a list. (laughs) There is so much um, that comes with home ownership. It's just you never you I could say this. Expect the unexpected Mm -hmm. Um, with owning a home. It's a lot of responsibilities um, that comes with maintaining your home, whether it's new appliances, fixing the roof, plumbing having unexpected uh, water heater go out. So it's just being prepared for all those issues that come along with owning a home. Yes, it is challenging, but also if you prepare and save for it in a manner, you can be ready for those hiccups when they come along the way. Mm -hmm. But also for me within the neighborhood outside the home itself, it's just being aware of my neighbors and my neighborhood and being more involved with things within the neighborhood. If I see that there's a pothole that hasn't been filled, being able to call the city and say, hey, this this pothole's not filled. Can you come out and fix this? The street light's not working. I noticed that um, 
there's a street, there's a stoplight that can be put here. There's a stop sign that needs to be put up. So I think for me, I, as becoming a homeowner, I really became more invested in my neighborhood. Yeah. What did I want my neighborhood to look like? And I think that's key. I think once people start to become more homeowners, they become more invested in their neighborhood and what they want their neighborhoods to look like. Better schools, better hospitals, better transportation system. So for me, buying a home, it just shifted uh, the way I looked at my neighborhood. And, you know, you spoke about homeownership being a a good investment long term. Um, What are some alternative ways we can think about sort of, you know, generating additional revenue from homeownership? So I know like, you know, maybe subletting or renting is kind of a popular thing if you're not in the space. Um, My therapist was actually telling me her son bought like an empty parking garage and is like leasing that out. And I was like, that's such a smart idea. So he's making money off of that space. Um, But what are some other just alternative methods we can consider? Sure. So again, yes, like, um, yeah, subletting, buying, you know, starting investment groups with friends and families and maybe buying multifamily mm. homes. Um, and so then if you don't want to be a homeowner by yourself, you're doing it with a group of close friends and family. Mm. Um, vacation property, that's also a way to have sort of a business, but also owning and having an asset as well yeah. in certain key popular areas, Cape Cod or Um, Hilton Head in South Carolina, different places, and you can generate income for yourself having vacation property. Love that. Vacation property as well. So um, those are two ways of, you know, just buying with friends, vacation property. Um, Again, buying a home if you you don't want to live in that space, because some people are fine with maybe renting a cheaper apartment and Mm. having someone rent that home to pay majority of the mortgage Mm -hmm. and the utilities, but they still have the beauty of owning that asset. Yeah, yeah. So those those are alternative ways. All right, so Thady, this conversation is really encouraging. I feel Mm -hmm. like it's even sort of demystified and broken down the process for me a little bit. I feel better about it. I know for a lot of communities, people of color can still be really daunting and intimidating. Maybe we haven't had the models in our lives. So, I mean, I I think this is just really encouraging and love kind of the mission that you are spreading and the awareness around homeownership. Yes, minorities have limited opportunities to build wealth because we're more, more than likely not to have parents who can provide college education, down payment, and inheritance. And so I think through home ownership, we can start to be able to provide that for our future generation of our children. And so that's why I think home ownership is critical, uh, a critical, critical step um, for our future generation to start looking into. Um, because this is a very significant way to build wealth. Yeah, completely agreed. Hashtag secure the palace. <laughs> um, awesome, Thading. Thank you so much for joining us. Where can our audience uh, connect with you to learn more? Sure. So I, on my business page, I share a lot about my community work. And I am at Clutter Manager on Instagram. And my email is Brown at cluttermanager.com and also for the Massachusetts Affordable Housing Alliance. um, Our website is a great resource to check on to learn more about um, home ownership and that is mahahome.org and those are 
great places where you can learn more about me and what community work I'm doing. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much again. And I feel like I'm going to go forth and I guess let's just not let these things hold us back. Like there's so many resources and I really, really I feel so much better knowing that. Yes, yes. There's so much out there. Um, it's just for us to really, to really find it and to use it. And that's what that's my that's my job, and that's what I'm I'm out here passionately doing because I want to see people have more and and own and feel secure in it, like I do. Awesome, you are doing the Lord's work. Thank you. <laughs> All right, it's our favorite segment of the show where we get to hear from you guys. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you ever have a question or conundrum that you think needs a fresh perspective, feel free to hit us up, joblogs.com slash askjoblogs, or call 929-324-1090. We got you covered. And we have one question today from someone who wishes to remain anonymous. She writes, I'm a writer at a national TV news outlet in New York. My job title is writer and I'm paid as a writer, but I'm often scheduled to fill in as a producer, which is a bigger title that comes with bigger pay. During my last round of negotiations, I asked to be compensated for the days that I'm requested to fill in as a producer and was denied. Mm. Now, coming up in January, they want me to work as a producer for the entire month. My issue is that I'm doing someone else's job and not being compensated for it. I feel like they're taking advantage of my skills without anything in return. How do I express my concerns to my boss? Should I express them? What should I ask for in return? I feel you. Yeah. I feel you. It's pretty crappy. Yeah. Joy, you're better. You're more of a cutthroat. <laughs> Am I? <laughs> in these negotiations. Girl, I wish. My salary don't reflect. Um... Yeah, no, this is pretty this is pretty crappy, but sadly all too common, I feel especially like. Especially in media and mm-hmm. especially in New York. Yeah, like people are quick to swindle you into doing someone else's work and not compensate you. Um, but I would say one, kudos to you for taking on the responsibility. Mm-hmm. I think um it's a really limiting mindset a lot of times to be like, That's not my job. Um and so it's it's good to adopt the mentality of being a team player. Yeah. But at the same time, um, you know, they're now looking for you to fill in as a producer for a whole yeah, month. Yeah, the, they tried it with the whole Yeah, <laughs> they're pushing it. Like, it's not like you were covering for a little bit. No, they're pushing it. So definitely start to document all of the incremental work that you're doing. Um, so everything that's really kind of outside of what you were hired to do. And don't present it as like, oh, I'm doing what I wasn't hired to do. But just say, you know, like, if there's uh, an increase in the time you're spending, if... Um, you know, you're making a big impact or difference. And that difference can be like saving them money or they know they need to hire a producer, but they haven't and they're mm-hmm. using you. Document all of it because that'll show them that you're very serious um, and that you've done the work to really map out what that work and added responsibility has been. And then, you know, with that documentation, ask for a meeting. Um not like in the moment when you're getting assigned something because that's reactive, but I think very intentionally like reach out to your boss or whoever's giving you the, the work and ask for a meeting and send them the documentation in advance. Mm. Like make sure they know the, the agenda. Yeah, don't catch them off guard. Send it to them so they can review it, reflect on it. They know you're about business. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, and then I mean have a conversation. Yeah. And how like cutthroat transparent would you be in those conversations like 
can you say like I'm really frame it as like oh I'm really happy working here and I'm excited about this new responsibilities but you know I feel like I need a role that reflects what I'm putting in can you say like you're looking for other opportunities or is that like too much they don't care I like I, I mean I like what you just said because it is it's a positive thing it's a positive yeah. conversation like you can frame it as a development conversation and say hey you know I originally came on board in July mm-hmm. kind of as a writer I love that I've gotten the ability to sort of stretch that into really more producer work you know I sent in advance the documentation here's kind of everything that I found that I've done so I would say that my role significantly evolved I did a little bit of market research and yes, here's what producers research. are making Yes. You know, and there's a, a big gap here between kind of the writer pay and the producer work. Given that I am doing this and that you'd like me to, it sounds like, continue to do it, mm-hmm. um, you know, what can we do together to yeah, bring me like from? That. Like, like, let's that. not make it a question because what's going to happen is you're going to start to resent the job if you keep doing it and not getting paid yeah. adequately. And in this case, it's not just like, you were a junior producer and now you're doing senior producer work. Like yeah. it's like you are doing a completely different job. Yeah. So have the conversation and make sure that in that conversation, like we always say timing is in there. So there's a timeline and the timeline doesn't have to be when you're going to get the raise, but it can be, you know, I'd like to make sure that in the next month we're able to revisit and, you know, you can share what the status is on this. You know, if you're going to make the request or whatever the case is, like make sure timing is a part of the conversation and then girl if you don't get it what was that episode (laughs) stay ready stay ready i mean right now you can update your resume we're producer all over it (laughs) Mm -hmm. yeah but good luck keep us um keep us posted and and if you start to feel really like it's getting exploitative and they're yeah. really taking advantage of what you're doing, then again, make sure you're documenting and sharing that. Maybe even escalating to HR or another entity. Mm-hmm. Well, good luck. Yes. All right, y'all. Thanks so much for tuning in. And big thanks to our sponsor, One United Bank, America's largest black-owned bank. Yes. If you enjoyed the episode and are looking for resources to encourage you on your financial journey, head over to oneunited.com. They got a ton of wealth of information for you. And you guys, enjoy your holidays. I know we will. If you miss us, feel free to hit us up at job blogs around social medias and mm-hmm. joblogs.com. Yep, I'm Hama Sparker. And I'm Cleve Out Loud. Later. See ya. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.